Hello and welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. And I'm Tom Scholey. We're going to dive into Neil Gaiman and John Romita Jr. doing Eternals from, I think, 2006. Uh, a big deal book at that time period. I'm excited to, to dig into this one. But before we do, Ed, give us an update on Red Room. Red Room Comics, the antisocial network, murder on the dark web for fun and profit. It's the name of the game in Red Room. Uh, four issues of the antisocial network are on the stands as we speak. That's the complete uh, season of comics. Uh, for the Antisocial Network, and coming in uh, November 9th is the trade paperback, collecting these four issues, plus uh, about 60, 70 pages of extra material. This is the cover of the comic, man, so it's burying no leads. <laughs> you know what you're getting into when you uh, put down your buying dollar for this comic here. Uh, there's a complete kind of like first draft drawn comic that's included. There's a bunch of uh, director's commentary. I drew a bunch of unique artwork that's only going to be in this volume. Uh, get your hands on it. If you want to read and continue checking out the next wave of uh, Red Room Comics, going to call those trigger warnings. And uh, into serializing that stuff already on, on my Patreon, patreon.com slash edpiscor. Three bucks for the archive there. It contains all of the antisocial network. Uh, serializing the trigger warning stuff. More than 150 pages worth of comics. Uh, for the price of $3, new strips every Tuesday. All those links in my link tree in the description below this video. Tom, where should people look for your latest, greatest comics? Well, here's Fantastic Four Grand Design. Um, Always try to show off your spot varnish. Yeah, visible. that was fun. That was, <laughs> that, that, was a high, that was a career highlight for me. Um, and yeah, it's it's this whole story of the Fantastic Four done in, in one volume, uh, you know, jumbo-sized. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, Jack Kirby's signature work. And I, I got to do my you know pay tribute to the king basically um it's so much fun the cutaways yes yeah it, yeah yeah this was a dream that it's, yeah. it's cool to work that kind of thing in and i got uh the man himself jack kirby uh, creator of the eternals uh and here's jack kirby the epic life of the king of comics it's his life story told in comics form and and you know there's a you know, we talk about the, the, the creation of the Eternals in there. And, oh, and here's the creation of Spider-Man. Uh, you know, some, some little-known stuff. Um, and I also have a uh, YouTube channel called The Total Recall Show. And I'm um, doing a thing on, on uh, Twitter and Instagram called Jacktober, where, uh, you know, every day there's a different drawing prompt related to, to Jack Kirby for every day of October. Fantastic. No pun intended. Jack Kirby, the creator of The Eternals. You can pick up my graphic novel, The Plain Janes, which I was drawing at the time of this Eternals uh, issue, at least the, uh, the first volume of this. This is the complete collection, 500 pages. I like to think of it as my shoujo manga book, but it's one of my titles that is still in print and available and perfect for this upcoming holiday season for the young adult readers in your life about a band of high school artists who start doing uh, art around their quiet suburban town and uh, cause all kind of trouble as a result. You can see how I make the comics I make, like The Plain Janes and Street Angel, on my Patreon, patreon.com slash jimrug, where you can download out-of-print zines and mini-comics. You can see a lot of my original art, scripts, process, basically what we do on Cartoonist Kayfabe, but pointed at my own drawing table. So join me on patreon.com slash jimrug. So this is a big deal book when this comes out. Yeah. This was the uh, the early days of Joe Quesada taking over Marvel and kind of like making it a pretty interesting place in the early 2000s. I remember a lot of exciting creators joining up with Marvel, people who may not have done much, if any, work. Neil Gaiman, one of the biggest names uh, in that list, and uh, paired up with John Romita Jr., probably the 
preeminent penciler at Marvel at this time period and working on a Jack Kirby creation, like this is a can't can't miss kind of uh-huh. hit, you know, launch series for them in the uh, in the early two thousands. Do you guys remember this coming out? Oh 2006? yeah, it was kind of like the the like last days of Wizard, and this got like big, you know, like the the next page, the double splash was like you know heavily featured. Um, I was going to show off the the other covers that uh, somebody watching yeah. at home may remember. Yeah, and um, yeah, there's the the JRJR cover. Um, and yeah, it was, it was like, you know, this image got, got, you know, released and it was like, whoa, you know, this, this thing looks, looks awesome and stuff. And yeah, it's funny, like a lot of these books we talk about, like you were saying you were working on Plain Janes when this came out. So a lot of the books we talk about are like, you know, when we were kids or, or, or older. And this is one that comes out when I'm a working professional and, uh, and yeah, doing Godland and doing like full on like Cosmic Kirby. And then, you know, just seeing some of like the, 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 uh you know, message group kind of talk that's going on when this comes out is like, oh, this is this is gonna put, you know, Godland out of business. Like you got <laughs> you got, you know, the top guys doing full on Kirby Cosmic, you know. There's some really wild stuff in here. Uh I wanna point out Danny Mickey is the inker yeah, on so, this. So crazy, right? It it blew my mind because like I was a fan of John Romita Jr. I thought I knew what his stuff looked like. And whenever Mickey shows up on Inks, it's like almost a different artist, a really uh different interpretation of what I was used to from John Romita Jr which a bold move, but kind of a smart move, I think. Like you have a book here that you're trying to, one, relaunch a 70s series. Mm-hmm. You're bringing in this high profile writer. You kind of want it to look new and exciting. Wait till, wait till we unpack uh, Superman year one, man. <laughs> well, the, the Danny Miki, it, it, I liken it to um, Alfredo Alcala inking Jack Kirby. It's like that kind of combination. This still retains, like, like I, I actually disagree, Jimmy. Like, like this still feels JRJR to me. But that's in relation to that Superman Year One, where will you see Mickey? It's like all of the all of the invective that sort of came uh, JRJR's way with the way he draws Superman and stuff. I swear, there's there was some sort of like back end talk or something like where Jim Lee is like Danny. You need to put the full Scott Williams on this motherfucker and clean up those, those faces and 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 make it look like you know a, a Wildstorm comic because the inking is different than this, and it takes all of the organic qualities of John Romita Jr. throws it out the fucking window. But we're we're talking about Eternals here today. I also want to highlight Holling, Matt Hollingsworth on colors because I think there are some really well colored panels in this, um, in in a, in a good match with the line art, and you know we'll point those out as we come to them, but. Uh, you know, that's the circumstances for this book coming out, and it was a big deal. Like you said, Tom, I remember seeing pages everywhere, uh, you know, early days of uh, comics cover, maybe not early days, but comics coverage online. You'd see, like, the Newsarama preview pages and stuff of this. Like you said, it was it was a big deal. This reminds me a little bit of Mobius, some shades of mm-hmm. Mobius with some of this line work here. Great scale. Really weird printing choice is that it's not full bleed. Like, I think yeah. it was probably designed to be full bleed, and for whatever reason, they you get to see the edges. Yeah, I guess uh, to establish flashback, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, I think a full bleed w- would be my choice. I have a feeling it doesn't look this way in like the collected editions. Mm-hmm. I think this is a printing, uh, you know, some kind of error in production probably. But 
I guess I could be wrong. It's it's weird because the margin is so small. So like close, if you wanted yeah. it to be not full bleed, I would think you'd do a little bit more margin. Mm-hmm. But yeah, who knows? There's nothing on the sides that that needs to be there. Like you could you could easily do that. I like the texture that uh, Mickey is bringing to some of the inks because later in this issue they talk about the machines being built out of stone, and I feel like he's trying to show that. You know, like there is some difference in the texture that he's, uh, you know, what he's trying to do with the ink in terms of representing texture. Like you, you wonder about the Eternals as like a choice for Neil Gaiman, like because so, like sixteen oh one, which like was his Marvel work before this, you know, it feels like it comes from like a Neil Gaiman place. It's you know like all this uh, lords and ladies, you know Elizabeth kind of stuff, but then Eternals is kind of like you you wouldn't you know that's that's not the first name that comes to mind. But I'm thinking it, I I can't imagine it was just like a job he took. I imagine he probably. Had you know, obviously a big Kirby fan, but but maybe he had something to say about the Eternals or, yeah, and you know I don't know how much uh, editorial influence either. Like whenever they yeah. were like talking about things to come in and do the thing with Eternals that I would think graphs on to Neil Gaiman is that like the history of man kind mm-hmm. of thing. Like you you can look at it through. Um, you know, the fat millennia and, and even, you know, maybe millions of years. So maybe something there appealed in the idea of yeah. like myth and legend and, and things. That yeah, we we'll, ask him, we'll ask him specifics when we have our shooting. <laughs> and like, so when that image leaked, it's like, oh, this is what the comic's going to be straight through. It's going to be like psychedelic, crazy Kirby stuff, page after page. But then you read it and it's like, no, we're in a more typical sort of, you know, early 2000s comic book setup of like people in normal clothes and stuff. And we have to give you that big splash page up front to let you know that like this kind of stuff's coming, but we're going to we're going to build to it. It's funny to think of the page turn as like your page reveal whenever like this is your your page. The page turn is back to the mundane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There there are subtle things here like J.R.J.R., one of the best visual storytellers in comics. And uh, one of the subtleties is that our main guy here isn't uh he's not a doctor yet he's he's kind of like in residency or med student whatever that term is uh he's doing work but he doesn't have the button uh his gear his coat and stuff man his lab coat little it's a little it's a little big little baggy for him and i i I think that it's like a subtle thing that sort of sells it on like you know he's gotta he's gotta grow into his big boy clothes You'll 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 see it more and more when you see his full figure. Yeah, this story, like this first chapter, is so like hero's journey stuff. Yeah. And so he's in his mundane world. He gets the call to adventure. He refuses the call, and so his mundane world gets a little more mundane, a little bit worse. And you know, un- until he eventually does accept the call. I do all that complaining about grays and brown colors. Again, when it's used well, it's used well. And in this case, it is the emphasis on the mundane, his world, right? And you see, even as he goes out into the world, there's more color elsewhere. But most of his world is right now in that gray kind of nothing space. And just kind of uh, a little bit of world building. You know, you're having Sprite. It's, it's interesting, the uh, reality TV feels so much like a YouTube character. Mm-hmm. on here even though it's still kind of framed through reality tv you see flip phones you know to give you a little bit of sense of this is this is a 15 year old book yeah he seems yeah he seems like like a, like a youtube celebrity he seems like a justin bieber like before justin bieber you know you know because you know we are yeah we are trying to get in the mindset of like you know back then and um i, I like there's a lot of like subtle stuff going on in the writing like um his pitch uh icarus's pitch to uh mark curry is like 
it sounds like, you know, I don't know, Scientology or something. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, and, and it's framed that way. And I thought that was like a really interesting way to sort of frame. Yeah, it's thing. a cool idea that, it- that like making it that religious kind of uh, like nut mm-hmm. fanatic. I can be wrong, but isn't Mark Curry the name of uh, Hanging with Mr. Cooper? That's yeah. I don't. I'm, I'm sure Neil Gaiman was going for that. It's a deep pull. I mean, all these things like we read uh, the Jack Kirby's Eternals one, and it, it was like Icarus is Ike Harris, and right. so then Neil Gaiman is like inferring more of those kind of names for like the rest of the cast. So Macquarie is Mark Curry. Um, gets a tap on the window. Our, our young doctor in training looks out, and there is your uh, Ike Harris standing on on his fire escape. Continuing to bring this this religious fervor to him. I mean, you got to hit nine one one right away when there's a dude on your fire escape who like followed you back from the, from the hospital. Yes. Presumably, this tells is... him he has a gun. Yeah. I'm calling the cops, and I have a gun here. <laughs> this is one of those great kind of cinematic panels. Like like Jr. Jr. Uh, is a master of composition, and the way that that he works, you know, he does a lot in a month, man. Uh, I th- I think a lot of times he'll do two books in a month. Yes. And I think so much of that composition is internalized, just just intuition stuff. It has to be, yeah. Yeah, and, and like just story-wise, it's like, how do we establish, you know, the, the one characteristic about all of these characters in different ways? So it's like, he, you know, Gaiman's boiled it down to like, Icarus flies. Like he, he, so we get him on a fire escape. Like all these ways you can make like a mundane situation, but like tell you that little superhero part yeah and mercury is a and this kind of stuff of like guys not in costumes you know flying or jumping off off your uh fire escapes not a thing everybody can draw Mm -hmm. yeah i think the trench coat helps like that's kind of like a miller thing the trench coat becomes a cape what is up with uh we've got two superman ads here in marvel trying to you know re-establish themselves as this exciting comics publisher and we're gonna have two ads with superman and they are going to take that dollar if, if they if they can get it. Yeah, they're the scrappy. Marvel's the scrappy little guy, and they'll they'll take DC's money. Yeah. DC used to distribute Marvel comics back in the day. I guess so. Um, Cersei and I, I don't know uh, Abigail. Yeah, I don't think she's an established character, or if she is, like she's not from the Kirby stuff. What is what is Cersei like? She's like a like a muse, like a like a charmer or something. Is that her power? She she can uh, she's like you know magician or whatever. She can turn things into other things, you know, and and. And yeah, ch- charm, I guess, is part of it. But, you know, she'll, like, turn turn you into a pig or something. I like this panel a lot. I think that's a really good-looking profile. Good hands, too. Sometimes the hands remind me a little bit of Barry Windsor Smith. Maybe, like, the, the knuckle couple of those yeah, lines. Yeah, I, I really think, like, yeah, that um, Ramita Jr. and Danny Meeky, like, where they converge is, kind, yeah, it is kind of coming out like Mobius. Yeah, and I... You know, when I when I said it was like stuff I haven't seen, it's not so much it's not that Ramita weight and things that you're used to, but just the interpretation of his lines, I had never seen any that looked like these. You know, when we talked to Frank Quitely, he was talking about like Gaiman wanting to work with Mobius. So I don't know if maybe that was an instruction, like channel your inner Imagining Mobius. Imagining Mobius on a book like this is kind of like a fun, uh, we, a fun thought exercise. We sort of know, like we've seen enough JRJR pencil work to, to know that it's it's beyond breakdowns, but there's interpretation that could be done by the inker. I've never seen Danny Mickey draw, and I think there's there's things that he he needs to pull some weight in terms of the the, fi- the final stuff. And when you get these like weird hands like that, Klaus wouldn't do that. Al Williamson wouldn't do that. There's other versions of that around here too. You know, Dan Green wouldn't do that. But but 
Danny Meeky's coming from the school of Tracer. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective. I mean, he he was also like, uh, you know, Rob Liefeld's choice inker for so long. Uh, when he comes to Marvel, it was kind of a big deal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's Rob's inker because, it, like, of all the inkers that he had in, in, in staff, he's the closest to, like, a Scott Williams, which is tr- Tracing. And, and, you know, look at uh, Youngblood 6, and you see what Rob Liefeld's pencils look like, and you look at the final version. Like, th- he's just a faithful dude. So, like, how, how do you take, a, like, a faithful inker and put it on, like, a John Romita Jr. that's using, like, the side of the pencil to, like, get that hair texture and stuff. And now Danny Mickey's like, oh, man, it was all spelled out for me for 20 years. Now I have to, like, do something. It is neat. Like, you see such that shape of, like, him doing his uh, his block kind of figure work where the where the reflection in the hair, or the, the highlight in the hair happens, yeah, and, and it's like a strong line. And, and, and Mickey turns it into Friar Tuck. <laughs> and this, like, just getting back in the era, this is, like, supposed to be, like, a... Um... Uh, Paris Hilton or something, you know, like that kind yeah, of. Yeah, she's know. doing a, a like a party planner is what yeah. her what she's doing in this issue, what they're setting up, and it's for this uh, former Soviet bloc country that's trying to encourage tourism and stuff. Man, that feels again like a like a Frank Miller homage here, and cut from standing on the building waiting for uh, Curry to come meet with him, maybe to a flashback to an Eternals flashback. It, it feels like Frank Miller. It also feels like Neil Gaiman, like maybe. Ramita Jr. is kind of like saying, hey, dude, you know, like, like this looks like um, the guy who took takes over for Morpheus as the Lord of Dreams. Kind of a fun transition, but, you know, this is a spot where you're seeing some of Mickey's drawing, like in his face shadows. Very, uh, very interesting drawing. Well, (laughs) I'm making some choices. there. I, I think I think Mickey is a good choice because, like, I think about when I encountered John Ramita Jr., it was on newsprint all this like pulpy little stuff in, in those big bold lines. And then you switch over to glossy paper. All that's gone. It's just super slick. So Mickey's inking brings back some of that stuff that, that like the printing process would have, would have had, you know, when you first encounter uh, Ramita. Yeah, that's fair. And he does have uh, I, I've heard different artists talk about like what's good in an inker. And it's that ability to do heavy lines and light lines. I've heard more than one penciler say that you see it in some of the textures in the background. Like those are textures I wouldn't always associate with Mickey's inking, but you you know it's it's something that he's at least I think trying you know maybe expanding his his uh, palette a little bit too and what he's bringing to this job. In the dialogue here, it's like the Eternals all fuck each other, and it's super casual. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's game paraphrasing Gaiman. <laughs> Cut back to the present. We have these two heavies that, that show up and uh, put a beat down on on Ike, and then eventually blow him up. Drop him onto a, like a suicide net. Yeah, yeah. Get, like really sets puts you in like a, a specific time and place. You know that that kind of suicide net like you're talking about. And this like part of this comic, I'm thinking like for for Neil Gaiman, it's like you know as a fan of Kirby, there were like the letters columns in the Eternals. And they would just, the letters columns, the letter writers would all just shit on the whole concept. And the letter after letter would be like, Jack, wait, are you telling me that the Eternals are really immortal? They can't, nothing can hurt them? So you're telling me if you dropped a nuclear bomb on Icarus, (laughs) he's just going to walk away? He's going to be okay? You know, and stuff. And Neil Gaiman figures out an answer to that question. And, and, you know... Answer and answers it like piece by piece. So this is the first time. It's like they they hit him with a grenade and then they show you what happens to him with the grenade. And then in future issues, you find out what happens if he like actually gets like disintegrated or whatever. But but I feel like you know he's like as like a Kirby fan has this like 
he, he's going to figure out a way to make the Eternals work and, and shut all those people up, you know? Funny to think of, like, Sandman having Kirby roots. You know, uh, whenever whenever uh, Joe Simon and, and Kirby doing some yes. Sandman stuff long mm -hmm. before Neil Gaiman gets hold of that character, and now here we go again. Yeah, and, and like, the Kirby, like, just, yeah, he, so, like, Simon and Kirby working on, on the Sandman early, early, and then, like, even early in those initial Sandman issues that Neil Gaiman did, you got, uh, uh, you know, Mr. Miracle showing up uh, not too long after you get uh, Brute and Glob, you know, like all that kind of stuff. And uh, our bad guys have a, a font to let us mm -hmm. let us know that they speak some kind of Russian, when, Western block, when, something. Yeah, when they're, when they're letting their hair down. <laughs> well, get like, it's like that era, it's like, okay, you can't have like, Italian mafioso anymore. It's it's late nineties, early two thousands. You gotta have Russian mob. There's that know? there's that uh, that TV show, the the Americans. That yes. that conceit is that it's like these this this these Russian kind of uh, covert agents. They establishing roots as uh, as Americans, married all that stuff. People from that exact program were were uncovered in like new jersey like in the early 2000s who were like who were here since the 60s and shit like that That's so so that was in the news around the time that this uh came out for some reason this whole interaction convinces mark that uh ike might be legitimate it's interesting because it's like uh some kind of terrorist attack they brought the wounded here along oh. with one miracle survivor so it's like everybody died yeah it's like unbreakable yeah. except except this dead. one guy uh, i like they were meeting at royer tower i meant to point mm -hmm. that out earlier a little nod to uh mike royer, mike royer, Inc., royer the Constant. kirby yeah. uh, eternals um and here this like interaction this is like an interesting thing for like storytellers to take note because it's like okay now he's ready to answer the call to adventure now he, he believes you and but Instead of like, okay, here's my story. It's like, I need some time to heal, come back tomorrow. Like that is some story, like that's some storytelling, you know, wisdom. And so then we, you know, have some other stuff so we can come back to that moment, you know. And another Eternal, this time working for Stark and mm -hmm. uh, developing this flash weapon that uh, temporarily will blind combatants. There's this fascinating thing that I just read about. It's it's been happening over the past couple of days where so so they went they needed to be temporary because like we you know once a war is done they don't you want get sued. <laughs> Yeah, they even say that. We don't want those uh enemy combatants suing the United States. That's going on right this minute in the Supreme Court. There's there was a guy who was being held in Guantanamo Bay who's trying to bring charges and, and get information about his his torturers down there and it's like up to the Supreme Court to see if it's like cool to release these these documents to to make to make uh, a, a a case possible so like that's just something i never thought about in war it's like you know mm -hmm. all's fair and love and war type stuff but yeah the war, wars don't last forever uh, another color comment is this is an yet another palette that we're mm -hmm. seeing here you know it's another location it's another character it's another color palette which is great like make it clear you know that's very helpful yeah, and it, it's like a little touch, like these are, this is like her superhero color scheme, so, so you're bringing that in. And this is like another thing that is like trying to answer those like letter writers. The big thing the letter writers in the old Eternals would say is like, how's all this stuff fit in with the rest of Marvel? Like, tell us, Jack, how's it all fit in? So Gaiman comes up with a way, make all this stuff fit in to the Marvel Universe. And this seems like, you know, like a, an inroad towards that. Yeah, Spider-Man is mentioned a time or two. Yeah, and... um he, even with this stuff of like, okay, you got superpowers, 
that doesn't mean the rest of what you're telling me is true. If Spider-Man told me he got, you know, bit by, you know, a copy of Chariots of the Gods, you know, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't believe him either. I like this page layout, but it's a little bit, uh, like, I'm curious about this choice. You know, is it, whenever you see outside a window looking in, it's almost like somebody should be involved in that point of view. Like, why are we coming in that way? Uh, but I do like how, how it all looks. Uh, JRJR describes his style as deadline style. I love that style. I, I like that a lot. And, and this is a double-sized issue. So uh, let's give the guy a break. And now we get to see some of the fun draw, stuff. Because you got to draw this. Yeah. <laughs> and, and this is like, this is what you're promised and this is what you come here for. You're like, I want to see some crazy, colorful Kirby, Kirby land. And you see this stuff in the, you see, I probably these exact animals and stuff in that issue one. You see, I remember this kind of stuff. With yeah, a little like, guys. yeah, early hominids or whatever. I like the, uh, the way he does the metal, like kind of that swirly metal texture. Dan Green did it better. Well, and this is like, kind of like what John Romita Jr.'s style is like designed for. He draws these like, statues these statue people made out of like these almost like cubic shapes right. and 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 slabs of whatever and it's like it lends itself so well to like kirby land to like these giant uh robot gods that might also be made out of stone too you know this is one of those fun scale things where <laughs> we sort of have an idea of the size of a brontosaurus just from all the paintings and mm -hmm. art we've seen now look at it in in the hand of uh uh, a celestial. These things they ride remind me of like segways. <laughs> yeah, weird... which would have been like a new thing back then. It would have been, but I mean, like Kirby would have that stuff. Even yeah. like New Gods cover issue one, it's a little bit of that segway like design that, mm -hmm. that they ride around on. And interacting with the people. I think this is where they mention the stone machines. Yeah, macro. <laughs> instead of micro circuitry, it's macro circuitry. It's giant stone computers that operate on magic. <laughs> yeah, big rocks that do magic. That's some Neil Gaiman shit. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I really like his interpretation of the Eternals. So, making the Eternals uh, and the Deviants, again, the, the story that we read in Jack Kirby's Eternals, mm -hmm. number one. Kind of neat to see how that gets updated a little bit. The other part that's fun for me in this story is it's almost like it's acknowledging that 70s series and then something happened yes. that, that wipes mm -hmm. them out. That's a cool conceit for bringing back a concept, I think. Yeah, which I I think is why it's like necessary to sort of show them in this mundane circumstance is kind of like something happened that fucked everybody up. And how come, you know, nobody remembers it and only this one guy and, and even he only barely remembers it, you know. Yeah, and the Deviants had uh, replicated much faster than the Eternals did, which puts them at like a million to one disadvantage for the fight, except for one secret weapon, and that's that they can call the uh, Celestials back. Yeah, this kind of stuff, like, this is like, like, I don't know if, if you could sustain this kind of stuff for hundreds of pages, like, maybe you have to have all that mundane stuff, but I don't, like, I'd like to see somebody try. Tom, this coloring reminds me a lot of your current coloring. This page, mm -hmm. not this page, but this page. Hmm. And it, it, part of it is, that I think, the color line, so, like, your pencil line, it's not the hard black edge. Yeah. Um, but also the color in general kind of reminds me of some of your coloring. Well, I mean, th again, they're all trying to figure out how how do we make this this like new way of coloring look good? And and sometimes you got to drop line work back. You got to you know you got to do a lot of gymnastics to to make it look good. Got a Prometheus gimmick. A lot of exposition this issue, right? And this this panel is like a reference to 
issue one, you know, where you got the the three of them. Oh uh, yeah, man, with his with that uh, that old VCR camera. Look at the size of that head. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> and it's see, that's Danny Mickey not helping. <laughs> <laughs> that's Danny Mickey not helping. Just like the two two right arms. It it did establish. Um, you know, like this thing as taking place in the 70s. Like, so those comics from the 70s did take place in the 70s. And so Mark is like, well, how could I be involved in this? Because I wasn't even born yet. Right. Seems like a good a good question. Yeah, there's your Spider-Man reference. And uh, how does this guy survive a bomb? And it's like, it's a weird world out there. It's true. And um, I think doctors, doctors do witness that kind of stuff too man because because yeah. there every now and then there might be a guy who comes out of a coma after two years and you know stage four cancer disappears every now and then you know it, it have they, they see crazy shit and, and like medical dramas you know were kind of like the dominant you had like you know er and then Grey's anatomy chicago, Hope. chicago so you're like tying it all into this and then reality tv show. yeah reality tv and then gaiman's also like he's you could th- you can imagine Gaiman being able to say, look, "Look, I don't care about what's going on in the rest of your your shitty books. I'm gonna do my own thing, my own world, and fuck off." But no, he like de- is deliberately tying it in with what was like sort of current Marvel continuity. You know? Yeah, like because uh, like I mean I don't know when Civil War happens, but I think don't they talk about like you registering yeah. uh, as superheroes? Yeah, yeah so this is post Civil War, and you can only be a superhero if you register. And so they have like PSAs in here about that. You know how we talk a lot about like time perception of time it's so jumbled in my mind because i wasn't reading that stuff but i was Mm -hmm. aware of it like civil war and i would assume civil war was like this was way earlier than civil war it's weird to think of this Mm -hmm. as being like after or you know current with civil war yeah i think this might even be after um after ramita jr drew enemy of the state with mark i think so i think this is after that too yeah so a little bit of that reality tv show turns out sprite is uh you know according to icarus is is one of the eternals and then some uh, questionable shenanigans going on in the background. These two that are disguised as doctors, the guys who uh, beat up Ike Harrison, threw the bomb on him. They inject him with a shot for who knows what purpose, and that's the uh, our cliffhanger ending. Falling into the hands of the bad guys and unable to do anything. That's a cool drawing, man. Mm-hmm. That is a fun drawing. And again, like doing stuff with the color to, you know, to yeah, emphasize that fuzzy it. stuff. I, the first time I, I, I saw this kind of depth of field thing was on uh joe joe mad x-men and comics they would push the background back with some fuzz and this this like sort of cliffhanger ending i could see like a tv show of that era ending this like like an episode of lost or something you know ending like that yeah it's kind of a weird move because you you think curry's warming up to this guy and now he's kind of selling him down the river i guess he assumes these aren't the bad guys but Mm -hmm. actual doctors yeah uh but it's still kind of a, a tough a tough ending here for their early relationship i mean doctor's got soft hands man these these hands look like they could hang drywall (laughs) (laughs) so that's it that's your eternals number one uh you know again neil gaiman here at marvel big deal and it seemed like they certainly put their promotion machine behind this book at the Mm -hmm. time i dug the comic man gaiman kept me on the hook uh with from from page one with uh, his narrative and seeing what John Romita was going to do next was also a pleasure visually. That, like, does it make you want to read issue two? Like, like just for pleasure? I, I, I would. Yeah. I absolutely would. Yeah. Yeah. 
For sure. Kayfabers, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell. We'll notify you when new vids are available. What's out there, Jimmy? Join me on Patreon.com slash Jim Rugg. You can download out-of-print zines and mini-comics. You can see my original art scripts process of how I make comics like The Plain Janes, Street Angel, Octobriana, and much more at Patreon.com slash Jim Rugg. Uh, learn about the origin of the Eternals in Jack Kirby, the Epic Life of the King of Comics, and uh, you know some of the space gods from the Eternals make an appearance in Fantastic Four Grand Design. And check out my YouTube channel, Total Recall Show. Red Room Comics in the Wild, Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit, four issues of the Antisocial Network on the stands right now. We have a trade paperback collection hitting shops uh, November 9th. Uh, you can get these comics by way of my link tree. That'll send you to the Fantagraphics website to, to purchase this stuff if you don't have a good shop in town. Uh, if you want to keep reading Red Room, I'm serializing the next wave of Red Room Comics on my Patreon. Uh, three bucks for the archive there, more than 150 pages of comics. And that's uh, patreon.com slash edpiscor. What else, Jim? Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe e-newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts and merchandise at the links below this video. Given those marching orders, we'll be on our way. Read more comics.